everybody and welcome to the Growing Up Cast Weekly Feel Good Podcast with conversations about musicals. I talk about the upcoming PAX Prime convention, we got some new Pokemon news, I play some more virtual reality games, and a whole lot more. I'm your host, Andrew Logan, and let's dive right into it. This week on the Going Up Cast, we talk about a bunch of stuff. I'm very excited about this week. Don't want to waste your time with what we're going to talk about because you know you're going to hear it. You're going to hear it in the podcast. There's a couple of things I do want to mention right here at the top of the hour. Uh, number one, this month's Patreon live stream will hopefully take place this upcoming weekend. My goal is the 18th Sunday. We are going to be playing Fallout 4. I'm basically going to be playing it from the beginning because I've not I've not gone fucking anywhere in that game. Uh, and I really want to just like, we're going to make some characters. We're going to name them. We're just going to go and we're going to have fun. So if you want to see the Fallout 4 stream, you need to become a Patreon supporter, which means going to patreon.com forward slash growing cast and becoming a $5 a month Patreon supporter. Get access to those exclusive monthly live streams where we just play games and have fun and talk and do some Q&A stuff. And it's a lot of fun. Or you can support the growing cast by going to growingcast.com forward slash store where you can get a custom audiobook reading of your choice or a fancy mystery book which could be literally anything. Also, if you support The Going Cast, please like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash goingupcast. A lot of great stuff going up there. I'm going to start posting things like any suggestions for songs of the week, topics to talk about, and so you can respond in the comments and the forums there. And you can also see links to some of the videos I've been posting up, uh, like when I went tubing or when I went skydiving. It's all there on the Facebook page. And ongoingcast.com. But that's enough shilling on my part. Let's get into the podcast. We got some new Pachokoman news. We all know I'm eternally excited for Pokemon Sword and Shield coming out later this year. I'm pretty sure in November. I think it's like November 15th or something like that. And they dropped some more knowledge on all of us. And I want to set the record straight on one of these things. So there's a new dumb hamster Pokemon um, who, when he is well-fed, he has a move set, and when he's hungry, or in the case of this game, <laughs> hangry, uh, he has a completely different move set, which is an interesting mechanic. So I'm guessing this fucking hamster can have like eight moves it knows. How do you pick the moves? Like, I'm not sure. Perhaps like there there are moves where it's like a coin, where it's like this move is like this or like this, and you have to pick like a double move. I'm not sure, but it's an interesting mechanic. I'm excited to explore it. They are bringing back the the alternate forms. Uh, we had some Alolan Pokemon that had different forms, like an Ice um, Vulpix and uh, a Rattata with a mustache. But now we've got uh, Galarian Weezing, who I'm calling Dapper Weezing, um, who has a stovetop pipe hat that looks like a uh, like a smokestack, and uh, the facial hair is made out of green, kind of smuggy sludge stuff, um, and it looks like they sound like. <laughs> There's a lot of faffeting, foofeting. They're basically Slughorn, um, is basically what's going on there. And I think the, the 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 flavor text says they inhale pollution and exhale like clean air. And I'm like, oh, that's nice. Um, but that's a pretty good form. I'm a fan of that. And then fucking Zigzagoon. Did not see this one coming. If I put money down, never would have said that Zigzagoon was going to be like fucking A plus material to be on my team. But they gave this little bastard a black and white paint color with stars around his eyes. And a third evolution, Obstagoon. And he looks like a reject from the band Kiss. And I love it. And the whole internet was like, is that a Gene Simmons Pokemon? Blah, 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 blah. And I know why they're saying that, all right? It looks like he's wearing the armor and it's got the tongue thing. 
So, yeah, I get it. But it is star makeup around the eyes, not demon makeup. Gene Simmons was the demon. The star child is fucking Paul Stanley. So it's a Paul Stanley Pokemon. I'm the only one that knows. I'm the only one that cares. I saw it for what it was. It's star child, not the demon. So fucking get it right. The makeup isn't right for it to be the Gene Simmons Pokemon. Amateur hour with this shit. It's fucking Paul Stanley. So the record's been straight. Fuck, tell your friends, all right? Shit's important. It's Paul Stanley, not Gene Simmons. So live to win. And I'm going to name my fucking Zigzagoon Star Child, and Star Child and I are going to go right to the fucking top. So very excited about that. Uh, there's a couple other characters introduced. I don't really, I don't really care. But we also got to know about the team, the gang that we're going to go up and we're going to put our dukes up against. Ain't Team Rocket, ain't Team Plasma, ain't Team Galactic, ain't Team Aqua Magma. It's Team Yell. And they're fucking soccer hooligans. And it's fucking great. One of them's got like a double fucking horned Vuvuzela. I don't know how that works. That takes a lot of lung power. Speaking of somebody who used to play the baritone sax, I know a little sound about an incredible amounts of lung power that it takes to move air through something like that. It's a, it's a lot. It's way more than you think you actually need. It's like a full lung load to just be like, Bwah! so takes a bit, takes a bit of doing, but there you go. Anyway, I don't want to talk about some Pokemon stuff. Still very excited. Um, I know a lot of people got really upset when they were like, oh, you know, like this pool of like 900 Pokemon. Yeah, we're only going to take like 200 of those and put them in the game. And a lot of people are like, wait, no, what the fuck? I want my Dunsparce. Where's my, where's my, where's my Obama Snow? I think Obama Snow's in the game, actually. Um, and I, I know, I get it. If my favorite Pokemon wasn't in this game, I'd be irate. But it's got Arcanine and Lucario in it, so like, those are my top two. Um, so I'm pretty, I'm pretty good, uh, with, uh, with the change. Now, I, I, I very much doubt this, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if like two months into this game's lifespan, it's like, get the rest of gens one through four for $5.99. It could be one penny it could be a penny to unlock the rest of the pokemon and people will fucking lose their goddamn minds if it's anything more than free people are going to be mad and if they do it at a if it's like a free update people are going to be like why wasn't this shit there at launch you know it's a no-win scenario it's a no-win scenario although i am i am ready for pokemon sword and shield 2 surprise it's the exact same game but all the pokemon are here so which would be the infinitely better version, but whatever, it's fine. I now have a cool kiss dog to add to my dog army as me and my, me and my puppos take over the whole fucking game. I'm gonna have six dogs on my team and team dog is gonna fucking take the whole, the whole region by storm. That's what it's gonna be. And this all stems from me talking to some of my coworkers and they're like, if you ran a Pokemon gym, what type of Pokemon would you have? And I was like, I want dog type Pokemons. And they're like, dog type isn't a thing. And I'm like, the fuck it isn't. I got I got poppers and schmoofers all up in this bitch. We're gonna own Arcanine and Lucario. Like, oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. I know Lucario's like a weird bipedal dog, but he's dog like enough. Kinda like how Goofy's a dog, you know? Um, anyway, now I'm just going off on a tangent. New Pokemon look cool. I'm excited for them to tell us more, but they probably won't. Uh, until we get a lot closer to the release. Um, but we'll just have to wait and see. For now, let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. This week for Songs of the Week, we've got two fantastic songs from two very different sources. 
song I want to talk about first is a song that I believe to be perfect. It's one of those songs I consider to be a master class of musical prowess. This song perfectly encapsulates the, the setting, the characters, like the whole mindset of this song, I feel like is so consistently relatable that it really cements fucking Springsteen in the annals of history of a incredible singer-songwriter. And that is Thunder Road, which comes to us off of the album Born to Run. Thunder Road is beautiful. It's poignant. Um, it really hits me in, in all the right places. And um, in order for me to really do it justice, I uh, did uh, did a little bit of a bit of fun stuff with a with a karaoke track in order to really have the song have the umph I really wanted it to, to possess. So here, real quick, is uh, is me basically just doing Thunder Road. Enjoy. The screen door slams. Mary's dress waves. Like a vision, she dances across the porch as the radio plays. Roy Orbison singing for the lonely. Hey, that's me and I want you only. Don't turn me home again. I just can't face myself alone again. Don't run back inside, darling, you know just what I'm here for. So you scared and you're thinking that maybe we ain't that young anymore Show a little faith, there's magic in the night You ain't a beauty, but hey, you're alright Oh, that's alright with me You can hide beneath your covers and study your pain And crosses from your lovers through roses from a, a source that I had completely forgotten about, to be perfectly honest with you guys. Um, a long, long time ago, I used to make YouTube videos because I was a nerd, and uh, one of the games I played for, for that was Undertale, because who didn't play Undertale? And um, the song you hear during the, the battle with um, Asriel, if you do the true pacifist ending, it's called Hopes and Dreams, and 
That's a really fucking great song. One of many incredible songs that you can hear on the soundtrack. Uh, but I was a big fan of that, so I decided to put that up on the Going Up cast playlist for your listening pleasure. I highly encourage you all to play Undertale because you do the true pacifist ending. That is one hell of an uplifting story. Um, and it's definitely worth a play. And if you have a song that you would like to suggest for Song of the Week, well, there are three ways in which you can get that uh, into my ear holes. Number one, you can email me at goingcast.gmail.com. Number two, you can use the contact page at goingcast.com. And number three, you can post about it on the Facebook page, goingupcast, or facebook.com forward slash goingupcast, which you can find a link to on goingcast.com. Let's move on to the next thing. what feels like the millionth time in my life i will once again be returning to pax prime seattle 2019 one day i will be there one day i'm going on monday um i was also going to go on sunday but i have a wedding that day so i had a i gave my tickets uh to some other people so they could go on sunday instead of me but i will be going on monday i'll be there from rope drop to doors close probably not playing a lot of games but doing a fuck ton of shopping i want i want the stuff I need the things. I need those PAX exclusive merchandise bits that you can't get anywhere else. I do love PAX. I've gone to PAX for years. Years! Ever since I really knew about it back in like high school, all throughout college, like, I do PAX. PAX is, PAX is my jam. And nothing will ever compare to that first PAX when I fucking made off like a bandit with like 35 free t-shirts. Um, but in recent years, uh, especially with the advent of Having a job and disposable income. Um, it's definitely become more of like a, ooh. Yeah, I'll buy that. Yeah, I'll buy that. Um, even like in the middle there when there was like, uh, you get the shirt if you pre-order our game. All the game companies did the stupid thing where it's like um, you could pre-order through Amazon. And the trick with that was you could pre-order the game, show them you pre-ordered it, get the t-shirt, go home, and cancel the pre-order because Amazon doesn't charge you until the game comes out. So, like... If they really wanted to pre-order that game, they should have done their shit through their own proprietary sites. But even then, you could be like, hey, I pre-ordered this game. My situation's changed. Can I cancel the pre-order? Like, I don't know. It's just, why waste? Like, everybody knew. Why did they waste our time? I don't know. But PAX is, a lot of people don't like it, um, which is fine. You know, like, the people who run it are apparently not super great and all these other reasons. But every time I go, I have a great time. Um, I see people at PAX I don't see anywhere else. I talk to developers. I play the games. Like, just being in that environment with, um, with like-minded individuals is, is always fun for me. Um, I don't waste my time with panels. All I do is the, is the expo floor. And I don't waste my time with panels. Fucking, I looked at the schedule for this year's PAX. That is, like, there's nothing interesting. Like, every year or so, there's, like, you know, I went I went to see, the like, the Shadow of War um, Middle Earth panel with, like, Troy Baker and stuff. And that was cool. Um, but that was, like, the one interesting panel. I went to the Scalebound panel because I was like, yay, Platinum Games. And then they fucking canceled that game. And I've got two t-shirts and a signed poster for that game that doesn't exist anymore and never will. I don't know if that makes the merchandise priceless or worthless, depending on who you talk to. Um, I like it, though. I'll keep that shit. But it's just like, I've never had a bad time at PAX. I always love going to PAX. I usually get sick afterwards, you know, PAX Plague and Con Crud and all that stuff. But just being there, being in that environment, seeing what's popular and what's coming out, it's awesome. And to the best of my knowledge, I don't think Microsoft or Xbox is there this year. 
Um, companies that Microsoft owns are going to be there. But, like, there's no, like, Xbox showing. And, like, every past year, it's like, here's the Sony Xbox part. And now it's just like, here's the Sony part and some other shit. Like, Google Stadia has a fucking booth this year. That's ballsy. Because everybody I keep talking to thinks the Stadia is going to just be a complete waste of time. Because, why would you do that? I don't know. I don't see this desire to be like, I'm in a car and I'm going to stream this game from my console at home onto my phone. Which is a smaller screen and it's going to be a shittier processing power and it's going to be off of Wi-Fi. Which means the connection is going to be shit. I don't, I don't know. I don't understand that desire. I just, I just don't play games when I'm not at home. That's what I do. That's me. That's me in a nutshell. But I am very excited to go to PAX. Um, and hey, if you're going to PAX and you're going to be there on Monday, hit me up. I, I won't be like on my phone um, because I know from experience how little cell reception actually is available in PAX. Um, so I won't be able to be like, I'm here. Um, definitely won't be able to do that. But I'll be around. Definitely in the Expo Hall. Uh, pretty much from 9.30 when it opens up. It's opened up in a half hour earlier this year than it has in past years. So keep that in mind. Um, and there's also a bigger tabletop uh, presence than there has been in the past. Like Wormwood Gaming has a booth and all this other stuff. So most definitely going to be checking that stuff out. But here's the thing though. Tabletop shit, by and large, is more expensive than like any other type of gaming memorabilia. Like minis and dice and shit like that are pricier than like shirts and uh, statues and all this other shit. So I don't know. Probably not going to buy a bunch of stuff there. But stuff like buy fans for fans and all the all those merch booths up there with like the t-shirts and that you can come here and get all our sweet ass shovel knight stuff i love that stuff love it to bits i'm very excited to go back to pax and i hope to meet some of you there and uh in the meantime let's move on to the next thing in the podcast and then you know in a couple of weeks i'll tell you all about the words Last week, I spoke about some musicals I was listening to at work, just to kind of expand my horizons, get some more culture up inside my blood veins, and I heard a couple others that I like to talk about. One of them was one I had I had heard and seen before, and that was Evita, another Andrew Lloyd Webber uh, musical about the the life and uh, legacy of Argentinians leader of. What was she? She was the spiritual leader of Argentina uh, in the late 1940s and early 1950s named Eva Perón. And it, the musical itself doesn't do a great job of explaining really what Eva Perón was all about or really what her legacy was. Um, like basically, if you were rich and powerful, you didn't like her. And if you were like a blue collar worker, you loved her. And she was this, 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 champion of the common person um and that's kind of what the perones built their built their stuff on indeed that's why um juan perone won the presidency because of his relationship to the labor unions of, of, of argentina musical itself is very it's pretty well not very good but it's it's decent um i prefer the version uh from the movie avita it has um antonio banderas and madonna as um as ava perone and I, I listened to the original Broadway cast recording of Evita uh, with uh, Mandy uh, Patinkin, who played Inigo Montoya in Princess Bride. Uh, he has a good voice. I just, I prefer Antonio Banderas' uh, version of that character a, a bit more because there's a, there's a bit more of, um, 
I guess like um, the the term I'm going to use might sound a little insensitive, but it's a, it's a little spicier. It's got a little bit more going on. It's a bit more. It's a bit more human, I guess. Um, Mandy's voice is very very nice and clean, but I feel like it doesn't provide like the the dirt that you need in that character, um, who's just kind of this Argentinian everyman. Uh, but that's pretty good. Uh, I would I would say, and I I have this like this kind of soapbox where I was thinking about Evita and the 20th century is littered with characters of uh, notoriety and pop culture phenomena that hasn't really been seen since like Evita, Gandhi, Princess Diane, like these, these figures who were legends in their time. Um, and we don't really have people like that anymore. Like Princess Diana was famous the world over she was beloved everybody loved her and she died tragically and it was this huge deal and like nowadays because the world is so small with technology and social media and just the sheer access of information we have we most likely won't have a figure like that just this this larger than life character because we have access to basically anybody who's anybody to to look at you know and because there's so many people our our focus is diversified you know like in the 80s um michael jackson was so supremely popular it's it's unreal you couldn't turn on the tv and flip through the channels without seeing michael jackson everybody knew michael jackson and that's because back then media was that was it you know, you had like 10 channels, maybe a couple of newspapers. That's it. If Like Michael Jackson was there. He was present. You knew him. You knew his music. You knew it all. And now, because we can get news from fucking literally anywhere, from your phone, from your friends, from your computer, from your game stations, from your radio, from your podcasts, like, it's, we're all split. It would take a monumental force of charisma for all of us to kind of sit up and pay attention. I mean, you could argue uh, like movie stars potentially achieve that, but I, I don't want to really include them because in my head, Princess Diane, Evita, Gandhi, like these people um, made made like change in, in the world. You know, they made these political strives. They weren't famous because of like, you know, well, I guess Ava Perón was an actor, but do you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's a different kind of famous. It's a different, it's a different ball game. Like maybe the closest I could think of was like Michelle Obama. Like that I felt was pretty, was pretty close to that. Most people seem to really like Michelle Obama. Um, she's definitely got that kind of larger than life personality, even though Barack Obama, definitely. But it's, it's, it's tough. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to force it. You know, like when that person comes around, you'd know it. You can, you can look at them. You can look at what they're doing and be like, that's a that's a special fucking person right there, and we haven't had that in a while, um, at least not that I've noticed. Um, but just some jump down I was thinking about while listening to Avita, and God, what were the other ones? There was a Beetlejuice musical I listened listen to based on the the Tim Burton movie. Um, had a couple of decent songs in there, pretty funny. Um, I bet it translates on stage pretty well. It's probably got some really cool sets. 
Uh, because uh, as much as I despise Tim Burton's movies, uh, you can't deny that they've got an artistic flair all their own, which I think would translate to stage pretty easily. So that might be a cool show to see. And then the last one I listened to was fucking School of Rock, written by Andrew Lloyd Webber. And that one really confuses me because like I've seen Andrew Lloyd Webber. I know what he looks like. I know what he acts like. And how does this, how does this connect? Like School, School of Rock really does sound like a musical written by somebody who has absolutely no idea what rock's all about. Like, it's got, like, it's got these references to elements of rock. And it's like, you know, I'm going to have my ripped jeans and my, my skin-tight lez- lizard skin pants and all this shit. And, like, you know, all that crap and Brian M&M's. It's like, it's just a bunch of references. It didn't really have the heart of, of rock and roll that I was looking for. Uh, I had a couple of decent songs. Uh, but it also has two of my least favorite elements of any fucking piece of media ever. Screechy children choirs and the fucking recorder. Like that that fucking plastic reed thing. Fuck the recorder and fuck screechy children choirs. I don't like the sound of children singing. Like nine times out of ten, they're bad at it. And if they're not bad at it, they're not worth listening. Like it's just... There are very, 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 very few children who have performed songs I've heard that I've enjoyed. One of them is probably Michael Jackson and the Jackson Five. Like it's just if it, if it's just like, God damn, these kids cannot sing. And I know, I know, Michael Jackson's fucking verboten nowadays because of the fucking um, documentary. I haven't seen it. I don't want to see it. it I, I get it. It's it's fine. And that's a whole other kettle of fish. I'm not going to get into it now, but these uh, these musicals were overall pretty good. I'm enjoying this ride I'm going on, just listening to all these different new uh, Broadway musicals, uh, just seeing what the field looks like. Although, when I was looking at kind of like, what's playing on Broadway now? Most of them are adaptations of things. Mean Girls musical, the Frozen musical, Beetlejuice musical, the, the fucking SpongeBob SquarePants musical. Like, it's all based on something. And there's nothing really wrong with that, I guess. Um, but when shit like Hades Town comes around, which I guess is also based on something, but it's like that story is like three thousand years old, so I think we can give it a little bit of a wiggle room. Um, I don't know. It has a different feel to it. It feels a bit more unique. And when it's unique, it's better, in my opinion. It's something I hadn't seen before. So meanwhile, Beetlejuice and School of Rock were pretty formulaic because they've just followed the plot of the movies. So. Not a lot of any surprises there, uh, but I enjoyed it. What are y'all listening to? Any musicals strike your fancy? I got a lot of recommendations from my coworkers. I'm hoping to kind of sink my teeth into over the next couple of days and weeks and stuff. Uh, but hit me up, goingcast@gmail.com, uh, or use the contact page at goingcast.com. We'll, sh- we'll talk shop. Come on, next thing in the podcast. Eighteen and a half hours later, book seven is finally done. As of recording this, I have finally finished recording Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows audiobook. It was a hell of a ride. Can't wait for you guys to hear the end of it. But these, this batch of chapters, this batch of chapters is my favorite chunk. Not because of what goes on the chapter. Who gives a fuck about that? But... Chapters 22, The Deathly Hallows, Chapter 23, Malfoy Manor, and Chapter 24, The Wand Maker, are when I got pretty drunk, and I decided to break out the guitar 
and do some songs. I will be the first to admit that these are one take drunken live recordings. I will have some pitch problems. I will fuck up some songs. And overall, there's some, there's some, there's some shit that falls flat in these chapters. I'll be the first to admit. Well, as our regular listeners know, several of the more outspoken supporters of Harry Potter have now been imprisoned, including Xenophilus Lovegood, Erinswile editor of the Quibbler, said Lupin. At least he's still alive, muttered Ron. And you know who else is alive, Ron? Hey, Mr. Tambourine, bad play a song for me. I'm not sleepy and there is no place I'm going to. You're hearing it from me first. But there's a couple of songs there I feel like I do all right with, especially when we get to chapter chapter 24 of The Wandmaker. Those are probably my 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 preferred um, songs that I uh, play for these uh, for these chapters. But I hope you uh, I hope you enjoy these chapters. We've got a couple of weeks left to book seven, and then uh, we will be moving right into uh, Game of Thrones. That's what's coming next. I can now dedicate my attention to that shit full time. Uh, and no longer have to divide my attention between two books. I've got I've got one book to work on, and then and then that's it. There you go, there you go. It's finally done. I'm uh, it was bittersweet. Um, you'll hear kind of my my immediate thoughts in the epilogue, but now that it's kind of sunk in a little bit more, it is it is sad, despite my immense hatred for these books, that it's all finally done. And um, I know while I will enjoy Game of Thrones, um, I also know that there is no other series of books I know as intimately and as thoroughly as Harry Potter. And I, I, I believe, um, in this moment in time that the ultimate example of my, my audio booking powers was the Harry Potter audiobooks. Um, I, I fully expect Game of Thrones to just be a ton of fun in its own right, but I'm, I don't, you know, how can you be, what I know the best because I feel I feel like a lot of the comedy really comes from how well I know these stories to be able to point out plot holes and be able to replace characters with other characters and stuff like that but let's see what the future holds but for now three brand new chapters of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows land tomorrow night it is almost three hours of chapters holy shit each one is almost an hour long I, you know songs take a while to sing so I hope you all enjoy them. And, um, you know, do leave a leave a comment on the Going Upcast Facebook page when you listen to these chapters because they're pretty good. I'm a fan. Let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. Got me a new VR game the other day, and this one is called Ghost Giant, I believe. It is from uh, Zoink Studios, which I'm 90% certain based on the game is a French-based studio. Uh, certain words and the names of all the characters and the fact that this uh, VR game reminds me a lot of another VR game whose name I can't remember where um, the titular, like the whole uh, game really feels similar to this. Essentially what it is, is it feels like you're watching a play almost. Um, you play the titular ghost giant, and you've got your little buddy, uh, Louie, and it's uh, it's basically his story, and you're just kind of there as a witness, and occasionally you can interact with the, uh, with the story. These types of games are wonderful. Um, Moss is a similar type of game, where you've got your little character, 
uh, except in Moss, you can directly control where the mouse goes. Um, whose name I can't remember, but uh, she's adorable. Um, ah, fuck, what is it? It's like tufty or twisty or jumpy or fucking. She's she's fantastic. Can't remember her names. Um, but in uh, Ghost Giant, you 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 know you've got your hands, and the you can interact with certain elements of the world. Like uh, when Louis goes into a store, you can kind of spin the house uh, to where the back is like completely gone. And what's really neat is that whatever the focus of the scene is, the rest of the game kind of goes dark and dim. And it's almost like a spotlight is being shown on like the inside of the building or on Louis in particular. Just letting you know like what the fuck to pay attention to. The art style in the game is really fun. Um, it's kind of got that uh, little big world feel or um, Yoshi's yarn world or whatever where like the whole world is made out of um, like nails and cardboard and like the clouds are hanging from the sky with string like the whole thing feels like it's built and constructed uh, but the characters have a lot of life to them and it's it, it, it is what it says it is it's a heartwarming tale um, I really enjoy games like this because to me VR is all about immersion it's all about being in the game Simple things like feeling the rain on your face in virtual reality or opening a door, anything like that um, really sells the immersion for me. And when a game that has a story and has a main character that isn't you involves you in the story as this kind of God being, this other, this X factor element um, where you can interact with the NPCs and the world around it to make the story flow, that's a fun aspect of video gaming that I think fits really naturally in VR. I see a lot of games nowadays. There's over 200 titles on PlayStation VR. Things like Job Simulator, which does a pretty fun job of showing you what VR is capable of, um, but doesn't have a lot of depth to it. Then you get games like uh, the fucking free Spider-Man Far From Home virtual reality experience, which is nice that it's free, but oh boy, is it free. Like, it's not a very good thing. Like, just a good product. It's it's not great. Um, but then things like uh, Ghost Giant and Moss, Batman, uh, Blood and Truth, all have this incredible level of immersion. And they tell a story very, very well. And they're not always the longest stories. Like, we've yet to see... I mean, unless you count Skyrim, which I don't think really counts as, like, a VR game, you know what I mean? Like, it's a it's a port. It's a wonderful game, and you can sink hundreds of hours into that game. But there's no, like, VR-exclusive game so far that's come around where it's just like, alright, you want 100-plus hours? Like, Persona 5. Like, if there was a Persona 5S game in virtual reality where you just sunk hundreds of hours into it, that would be pretty fucking nuts. But, like, the longest game I've played so far in virtual reality has only been, like, six to eight hours like they're not particularly long experiences so you know there's a bit of a premium going on there to pay, play in virtual reality um it's it's its own kind of thing you know if you spent thirty dollars or twenty five dollars or whatever on a on a five hour game on like pc or a hand on like on console you'd probably be like this is very expensive for not a lot but it's different in virtual reality fucking ghost giant would not do well not in virtual reality. That game would have very little to offer. 
But when you're completely immersed in virtual reality, you can't look at your phone, you can't look at anything else. All you have is the story in front of you. That, that to me is like the best part about virtual reality. I'm playing Fallout 4, I'm playing fucking Overwatch, whatever the fuck. My phone's like right there, I've got a secondary screen, I'm distracted by all sorts of shit. I'm distracted just by what's around me. The reality of my situation distracts me in playing virtually anything else. But when I'm in virtual reality, that's it. Put your headphones in, slap that fucking visor on, got the controllers in my hand, I'm gone. And it's great, it's freeing. It's, it's the only entertainment I can consume that I am completely 100% focused on. The only other time I've experienced stuff like this is like in a movie theater or if I'm on a ride, you know, where there's literally nothing else besides what you're actively doing. And virtual reality offers that to the consumer at a, at a very reasonable price. Price gets cheaper all the time. And because we, I mentioned this a little while ago with the PlayStation 5 just around the corner and the confirmation that there is not going to be a PSVR 2 headset, the PlayStation 5 will still utilize the current PlayStation headset. You got nothing to lose. I mean, if you want to wait for the PlayStation 5 and then get the headset, that's, you know, works for me, whatever. That's, I'm going to get the PlayStation 5, but they're like, don't, don't wait. You know, don't wait for the second generation of the headset. Virtual reality is happening in the here and the now. And I'm here to tell you that it is totally, absolutely, 100% worth it. There will be a game on virtual reality that you will love. And if you want to see this business shine and continue to grow as it has been doing, now's the time. Invest in virtual reality. Because it's the way of the future. This shit blows my goddamn mind every time I put on the headset. And it doesn't feel like I'm on the Steam sale just like looking for another fucking JRPG. Every time I look at the virtual reality games, I'm like buying. It's like an investment almost. Because it's so singularly focused on that task. And it's so immersive and exclusive to that task. That's what you're doing, you know? I'm not, you know, just loading up Fallout 4, putting on like a movie on my other screen and just having some fun. I am doing this virtual reality game. So I'm very picky with what I with what I buy with my with my dollars because I want to be absolutely sure it is worth the money. Don't get me wrong, there's a lot of bad VR games out there. Fortunately, there's also a lot of demos for VR games out there so you can get a feel for shit before you just sink your dollar bills into it. Um, but it, it feels different. Everything about virtual reality feels different. The way you buy the games, the way you show it to other people, the whole thing. It's a completely different ballgame, and I love it. It's it's fantastic. One of my one of my absolute best decisions was getting the virtual reality headset. So Ghost Giant is an awesome representation of what virtual reality is capable of. It's the best virtual reality game I've played since Moss of that genre. Um, I think Blood and Truth might be my uh, my current number one. It's really tough to say. Batman's up there. There's a lot of great fucking VR games. Um, I will mention, though, I've yet to return to Drover Saves the Universe. Um, as much as I love Justin Roiland and his style of humor, that game really did wear on me after a while, and I've, I've yet to turn it back on. So we'll see if I go back to that um, here in a little while. But who knows? Who knows? But I did really enjoy Ghost Giant. Uh, got me right in the feels. I don't want to ruin it for you guys, but... You should play that game. It's pretty, it's pretty wonderful. Let's move on to the next thing in the podcast.
finally this week, the topic I want everyone to mull over. Um, almost like fucking bam bam. Here's a Yahoo answer question to Liga. No, it's not like that. Um, but I want to talk about the concept of recovery. Not from like drug addiction or anything like that. Basically, um, the, the very specific aspect of recovery I want to talk about is um, post-fitness and post-stressful day recovery. So let's talk about the fitness thing first. Um, my go-to method of post-workout recovery is a thing called an ice bath. You're gonna have to stick with me on this one because I know a lot of people are going out there like just, it's a, it's a gut reaction and I get it. it. They're terrifying. Here's what you do. You work out, you blast yourself, you're hot and you're sweaty and you're sore, all right? It's really important that when you do an ice bath to do it correctly because you could hurt yourself otherwise. Set your bathtub, just turn it on just enough to get the water flowing at a decent click. Make sure that like, if you have, depending on your tub, you don't want any hot water entering that tub. You want the shit coldest setting it can muster. And then fill that bad boy up as you would a normal bath. Go up to your fridge, grab that ice tray, dump it in the bath, the whole fucking thing, just right in, okay? Now, I found that getting used to the bath is a lot easier if you are physically in the bath as it's filling up because then like your legs get used to the cold and it's not as terrible, all right? You should not be in a fully set ice bath for more than 15 minutes. That's that's your cap. Set a timer, cue up some songs, whatever it takes. You should not be in that bath for more than 15 minutes. It's If you're in there, like, just, you know, be smart with it. You're in very cold water and that can, that can do havoc to your system. So basically the way I like to do it is I do five minutes sitting up. I do five minutes with as much of my upper body submerged as possible. So basically I'm like lying down in the tub with my feet just kind of scrunched up against the side. And then the last five minutes I'm rotating. So I'll be like on my, on my back, my head's above the water, my arms are submerged, my knees are up. And then I will turn like to the left. So I'm basically like on my side in the tub and then I'm on my stomach in the tub and then I'm on my right in the tub in those last five minutes. And you rotate, sit up, drain the tub. The idea of it is that your your muscles are, um, your muscles will recover faster in a colder environment. Um, if the idea of an ice bath is too shocking, get it, because it shocks the system. If it's too shocking for you, an, uh, an ice cold shower um, will do a lot of what an ice bath will do. It won't do everything. Um, an ice bath is kind of like the only way to achieve these effects. Um, but it will help with like burning calories because you're fucking freezing. So your body's trying to keep you warm. Um, it helps with muscle recovery and all that stuff. And honest to God, the 15 minutes in the ice bath suck, but afterwards it's hard to feel more refreshed. You know, it really does feel good afterwards. Like I know it feels crazy to say that like after workout, I feel great or after a run, I feel amazing, but it's true and you do. You just have to get past that first like fucking wall of all of these things. First couple of weeks running suck. First couple of weeks of working out suck. First couple of times to do the fucking ice bath are terrible. 
It sucks. It sucks so bad. I used to get a sock and stuff that fucking thing in my mouth and bite down on it because it hurts. The cold hurts and you want to scream. So you just got to fucking grit your teeth and do it. Um, but I mean, it definitely helps. I feel better. My body recovers faster. My skin looks better. It like, it has some benefits. It's got some real benefits. So I would recommend the ice bath. Um, but it really needs to be coupled with the other aspects to recovery, which include drinking enough water, making sure you're eating enough protein and basic vitamins and minerals to keep your joints flowing and your muscles growing back and getting enough proper sleep. Now, the amount of sleep varies per person. That's a well-known fact. There's plenty of apps and devices you can get in order to make sure you get enough sleep. But bang for your buck, I've like what I found working out for me is so I've got the adjustable bed. Um, so I, my upper body is elevated a little bit and I've got one fucking pillow under my head and that's it because I want as much of my spine connected to the mattress as possible. And if I have too many pillows, then like an ass, like the middle of my spine or the lower part of my spine or the upper part of my spine won't be in contact with the mattress. And so it kind of fucks up my back and then my hands start to hurt. So I want to be like as, as supine as possible in the bed and getting enough sleep, you know, doing all of these things are crucial to recovery. Not only post-workout, but post a long day. It's good for the body. It's good for the spirit. It's good for the soul. And it'll make you feel better. And you know what makes me feel better is knowing how many wonderful people are out there listening to this episode of the Going Up cast. We have grown larger in this last week than we have ever been before, thanks to the Facebook page, thanks to people sharing the podcast, reviewing us on iTunes. There are amazing reviews on iTunes, and I fucking love each and every one of them. I've been looking at the the geography of where people are in the world listening to this podcast, and it blows my mind. Hello to Canada. Hello to South Africa. Hello to all of these incredible people and all of these incredible places listening to the Going Up cast. It makes me so happy that you've all joined the Going Up cast family. I am very much excited to keep on trucking and bringing you guys happy-go-lucky episodes every fucking week. Enjoy tomorrow night's episodes. They are some of my all-time absolute favorites. And I will see you next week for another episode of the Going Up Cast. Have a good one, everyone.